Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? For over 45 years, hospitals, malls, offices, and hotels have been beautified by the work of Detroit-based Plantera. The Plantera team designs, procures, and maintains plantscape installations across North America. Plantera also operates a conservatory that serves as a stunning garden venue for weddings and events. I sat down with Shane Pliska, president of Plantera, to talk about this unique family business founded by his parents. I think you'll appreciate that rare combination of creativity and business acumen that Shane brings to Generation Excellence. So Shane, I welcome you to the Generation Excellence podcast. And so for our listeners, we met in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program now five short years ago. I know a little bit about the origins of Plantera and, and kind of the founding story, but do, do your version of the, the founding story, the, the beginnings of what is today's Plantera for the listeners. Sure. So, um, you know, every um, small business gets a, gets a break, or if you're lucky, you get a few breaks to get started. Uh, for Plantera, um, it began with my dad in 1973. Um, he was working at a plant retail store in downtown Birmingham called Pots and Plants. And um, the owner who owned um, a, a number of stores uh, wasn't paying his taxes. So the IRS shut him down. And he told my dad, instead of a paycheck, because he had no cash, he goes, I'm going to give you your last paycheck in inventory. Take all the inventory you want. Um, so Interesting. My dad being a young man at the time and relatively enterprising, he found a greenhouse in Bloomfield Hills that was attached to an estate there he was able to rent. And that was um, a, a beautiful old Tudor home um, that was originally built for the Sanders uh, Chocolate Company. <laughs> um, and uh, this old historic greenhouse housed that inventory. And that's what gave him um, the start um, to begin um, a plant service company, really, um, and plant sales. And um, his first few big sales actually were weddings. Um, okay. He had uh, one particular person showed up and bought all of his inventory out of that greenhouse for one wedding. Um, and that really is what gave the company a start very shortly after that. They were only in that, in that residential greenhouse for a year. Um, they then moved to Troy, uh, where he where he had a, um, a greenhouse on Coolidge, um, and then I, I just started from there. And was the original name when when he had that inventory and started was it Plantera from? Yes, one? it was. Yeah. And, and and what's the kind of creation or the origin of the name? Great question. Um, the name originates from uh, two words. Um, actually, it's uh, you know. Uh, plants and earth, terra being earth. Okay. 
So it's it's combined. And what's interesting about that name, it, it is trademarked, and he trademarked it early in the 70s, which was unusual for a small business of that size, is that it translates very well uh, to different languages. <laughs> oh, great. Um, so it's universally well understood in terms of its name. And for yourself, what is your... I guess, you know, first memories or recollection of this business? I mean, was it going in the greenhouse? Was it stuff at, around the dining room table? What, what was sort of your first taste? Well, like a lot of family businesses, um, the ownership is, is very much immersed in their business. Um, and so my earliest memories really are spending time as a kid in, inside the greenhouses where I was watering plants, um, even as a toddler. Um, and uh, playing uh, with, uh, with, with the different um, inventory and merchandise and, and such with Venus fly traps. And uh, I was doing, I was very much a naturalist. I was doing all sorts of different kinds of childlike, you know, uh, I, I thought they were experiments, but really it was, it was just playing with plants. Okay. Yeah. So that was encouraged in your world. And were you, I mean, was this a business as, as you were growing up that you, always knew you were going to get into, had plans? Was it that thought through? Uh, how, how, did, how did you kind no. of come to join it? Yeah, so I didn't have any plans at all to, to, to get into this business. Okay. Um, in fact, as a teenager, I remember being very, um, uh, you know, I, I very much made up my mind saying, I don't want to go into that business when I was a teenager. Um, but um, obviously I'm in the business now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and uh, what, what happened was, is after I, I went um, to, to college in Boston, um, I had worked for an entrepreneur um, who owned um, a radio syndication network and he was um, an entrepreneur to the core. Okay. Uh, so I started to learn about other entrepreneurs in that experience. Um, and when I ended up moving to Los Angeles, because I, I thought I wanted to be in, in the, the film production business, um, I, I had a job over at United Artists in Santa Monica, uh, which at the time was owned by MGM, you know, a big corporation with all of its, very much its corporate, um, you know, pieces to it, not very entrepreneurial at all. Um, and I, I discovered that, um, that I'm not the corporate type. Okay. <laughs> Even though I'm very polite and, 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 and well-mannered, um, that was, I, I learned that there wasn't a single executive in that company or its parent company where I wanted their job. Got there it. wasn't a single person that I could aspire to that I would want to take their place one day. And that was the moment that I realized this isn't going to be for me. Entrepreneurship is really where my heart was. So you're not the first guest on this podcast who had some Hollywood kind of connection being out in LA and then back here involved in a family business. What, what brought you back to the Detroit metro area then? Well, it was um, a conversation with an assistant to a high-powered Hollywood person who was uh, 10 years older than me at the time. And he goes, uh, you know, where do you want to be in 10 years? So it was the 10-year test. That and question. I yep. knew that I, I didn't want to be someone's assistant in 10 years. Um, and that's not to say that there's not wonderful assistance and sure. that it is a very good job. It's not 
discounting it, it. I just knew that's not where I wanted to be. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, and at the same time, um, my mom and dad, you know, said to me, well, they're not getting any younger. And so the business at that time had more or less plateaued. Okay. And so they had to make the decision um, over the next 10 years in their life, if they, if it was to continue or if they were to sell it and retire. Um, so as, as a family, we said, okay, well, I moved back home. Um, and I decided to try out, see, see how it went. And um, I was very happy when I look back at those 10 years, those were some very productive 10 years on how we reinvented ourselves during that time. And I mean, that again, not a common, uncommon theme of the business, if not having next family generation interested, wanting to be involved, or at least feeling that out having to pursue some other paths. So what are some, from the earlier days of the business, what are some famous stories of kind of, you know, either the big wins or the thing that just, you know, went crazy haywire and that gets, that get, that's in the lore of Plantera? Well, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, we're almost 50 years in business. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of stories to, to talk about. Um, they stretch from in the 1970s from the Renaissance Center being the first really significant plant job of uh, okay. the company when it was really young. And in fact, that particular job um, put vendors in business too um, because there was, uh, it was called flying ficus trees in the Renaissance Center. Um, and it, it actually put um, a flower Florida nursery and allowed them to build shade houses for their big ficus trees. And uh, that's where he worked. My dad worked with John Portman. Um, and then, it, and, you know, it, the, the trajectory just kind of changes over time to, to where, um, you know, we were very much a, a, you know, that set the stage for the next, you know, 15, 20 years for us to be a, a very strong local um, interior plantscape contractor. Um, and then um, when I came in into the business, I started to explore different areas for us. Sure. I, 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 you know, at that time when I came in, Detroit wasn't doing very well. You know, right. Michigan during that time was in what was called a one-state recession. Um, and so I was, I had my sights on opening up either um, another location or try to do some national work. And um, I experimented with a, uh, an, an, a location in Las Vegas. Um, and, but what I really learned was, is that our company has, um, a lot of skill when it comes to our expertise in horticulture and sourcing unusual plants that go inside architecture and buildings. Um, and so we started to develop a pretty good portfolio of national customers that needed this expertise in different right. parts of the country. Um, so it, uh, you know, it, it, if we were in a, a market that at the time was a little bit more prosperous, if, if we were on, you know, one, one of the coasts, um, we probably would not have pushed as hard to try to build a national business. Um, but that really laid the groundwork to where we would go next as a plant company. Um, and then simultaneously, I mean, at that time, I mean, we built that conservatory in West Bloomfield. Yep. Um, and that in and of itself is, is, is a, is a, yeah. So for those who don't know, explain sure. kind of what that is and what happens there and the kind of events that are held and all. Yeah. So we built, um, it was right during the financial crisis 
we start right before the financial crisis rather we started a brand new facility for a company and then during the financial crisis we stuck with it um, and we imported a 22,000 square foot building from Belgium um, all glass and steel um, that was intended to be um, our company headquarters and a retail space to sell plants to the public. Um, but by the time it was finished in 2010, um, that was not a good year to start a retail operation. Uh -huh. um, but we were getting phone calls about people wanting to get married in the building. So we ended up developing a separate operation that does weddings and events. And today, the, the, um, the, the building and, and the wedding and event group um, is, is a significant company um, within our umbrella. Great. I mean, it's it's funny because you, you mentioned the you know you start out with a plan for something and then something else happens and to be able to go with it so you also mentioned the 10-year test happening years ago so as we sit here today i wasn't going to do the 10 years but you brought it up what 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 are you excited about or what do you what do you look at at that milestone which will be 2030 like what do you think your business will be about or trying to do or have gotten into well, and don't I, and don't make me answer that same question. <laughs> well, I, I, I see us. Um, our, our company is very well positioned um, in, a, in a pretty niche specialty, and I see us being uh, very well known um, nationally uh, for our, for our work. Um, and as um, you know, as there's going to be more consolidations and, quite frankly, um, fewer competitors moving forward. That's my that's my estimate. Um, I see a lot of opportunities uh, for, for a company that has our, our skills and expertise, and especially the amount of uh, design expertise that we've gained in the last couple of years inside our Got business. Got it. And what, I mean, what would you say for the business, or, or you yourself, you're just sort of looking to get better at, you know, what's like an improvement area? Everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we, we really, I mean, um, there's, there's an incremental um, improvements that, that are made. Okay, and, so and, finding and, that. And so we, it, it sounds very Japanese, I, I guess it is. Uh, but in, in the different areas of our business, um, one of the things I'm really looking forward to, and this has occurred in the last 10 years, is as we grow, we're able to afford to have more people concentrate on, on, on on special specializations um, or internal services within our business. Um, and that's what I really look forward to is to be able to build that bench of knowledge rather than trying to rely on fewer people that have to be the jack of all trades. Got it. Yeah, so that improvement comes both from identifying it, but then kind of letting people go and using their skills and talents, right? And the, the, yes. the, the, the collective firepower of a whole team. Yes, our, our growth is in fact uh, fueled by our people. Sure. And, and so we, we want to continue to support those people. Um, and I call them, you know, internal entrepreneurs truly. Um, and my style is very much laissez-faire um, in terms of letting our, our people kind of, you know, grow their, their individual, you know, businesses within our own. Um, and, and so, you know, businesses that I admire that do that are like the Zingerman's community of businesses. Okay. 
Um, and so I have a very open mind on, um, on what else that we could get into right? Um, based on what the internal interest is and if it makes sense. Interest and passion like they have and the things they yes. pursued. Is there a, a, you know, from your, from your parents, is there a quote, a motto or something that's on the wall or that, that's, that, that you hold up or gets repeated as, as sort of a driving phrase at Plantera? Yes, um, it's actually, it's been around for as long as I've known. Um, my dad calls it his philosophy. He puts, it's on the back of our trucks. And it is the tranquility of nature can provide us peace in our caverns of concrete and steel. Nice. And I guess I've seen it on the trucks. I have, it just hasn't fully registered, but now I, I get it. And sometimes we get phone calls or, or emails from people saying that they saw it and, and they thought it was inspiring. Um, but really everything that we do um, is, is really related to that one simple phrase, uh, whether it's a wedding or whether it's providing um, plants inside buildings. And what is something you all as a family business operation are dealing with right now? Um, for a, a family as in capital F or family. <laughs> however, however you interpret that question, I guess. Um, as, as a family, actually, things are, um, are very well-defined okay. um, and, and very smooth. Um, my, uh, my mom and dad are, are very happy. Um, they are um, mostly retired. Um, and me and my brother um, are in the business together. Um, and, uh, it, and it's, uh, it's, it's working. Um, our interests um, are, are relatively different. And so that complements us as a business. Um, I don't know how we would run if, if, we had, if we had interests that overlapped too much. Yeah. And how, and how would you characterize how you and your brother now kind of leading a business and make decisions and discuss things, meet on things? Is it, is, do you have a very, very crisp process to that or is it a little more fluid? It's fluid. Um, but um, at, at the same time, because of the dashboards that we've put in place, um, most of the decisions are, um, are relatively easy um, to, to make. Um, and we learned early on um, not to try to inundate too many decisions and turn it into a committee decision. Um, we don't really have a committee-like process in our company. Um, everybody has their own lane to, to be in. You mentioned earlier, you know, in your younger years, you know, doing the quote experiments or whatever. So what do you yourself do now to get, I mean, because family businesses can be consuming, all consuming. I mean, it's doesn't stop. You have that entrepreneurial spark. So you're always thinking about it. So how do you, how do you get away? How do you break away from it? I get away literally. I love to travel. In normal times. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and, and so whenever I can, I mean, in an ordinary year, uh, me and my partner, we go on, you know, three big international trips a year. Uh, you know, we're, you know, different time zones, uh, you know, not reachable. Um, and it's, uh, it's actually, it's a really great way to okay. recharge and get, get away from it. Re-inspired. Yeah. Seeing things that expands the brain. That's really sure. what it does. Um, and when you do that, and you're in these different places around the planet, are you looking at 
plants and and how stuff's done in the hotel lobby and at a museum? Always. Okay. In fact, I, I, I take, a, I, I do a, a PowerPoint slideshow from my design team after these trips to show them what's going on. So true inspiration. Wherever, okay. wherever it might be, just because it's, it's fun. It, it, it truly is. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a getaway, but it's still kind of got a little, a little well, bit you're of right. I'm never going to stop thinking about yeah. the business. Um, but, uh, you know, when I say it expands like the way that I think, um, it, it, it does. I, it reminds me of when I was, um, you know, a kid and, and I couldn't quite understand how adults knew where they were driving in a car everywhere. Okay. And then when I got my driver's license, I kind of had my own little internal map of right. the neighborhood. And, and now when it comes to travel and I think about these different countries and spaces and places, it's done the same thing with my brain that that happened back then. Well, and some, there's some learning sometimes to just getting lost and wandering and finding stuff. GPS yes. takes a little of that uh, spontaneity sometimes out of it, I True. guess, possibly. What, what's, what would you say is the best idea for running your company that you've implemented recently? The most recent thing that we have done. Uh, gosh, this has just been a, a, a crazy year mm-hmm. um, of, of, of things. I'm... I, I would say that um, cross training um, this year in particular has proven to be very valuable, even though it, it is disruptive. Um, uh, but it, it certainly provides um, operational backstops um, and it fills blind spots when when you need the backup. Great. Uh, and then you know while asked about, you know, kind of you described like a leadership style as being sort of laissez-faire, letting people pursue those passions. Any, you know, love to travel. So that's restricted a little bit in the year we're recording this. Any new skill or capability you yourself have taken on? You know, people have had these, they start baking, cooking, doing something different, playing music, experimenting with anything. I've been um, doing a whole lot more cooking at, at home, okay. um, which I've always enjoyed cooking, but I've, I've, uh, I've entertained myself on, on learning new skills. So that, that, is, that is one, one aspect. Yeah. And then what, I, I mean, I different sports, but I didn't, I didn't quite, quite like, I, I went shooting and, and such, but uh, okay. uh, it, I, I wasn't really into it. Yeah. And, and so as you look at Plantera and you look at, you know, the opportunities, given to you for yourself, your brother in what is now a generational family business. Is there any planning thinking of, you know, what would be G3? I mean, what, what's the, that kind of space? Well, um, neither of us have kids yet, okay. uh, but we're both young men still. Um, and uh, I, I would have a similar uh, view as my mom and dad and that is not to dwell on that expectation and let it to organically evolve mm-hmm. and grow. Um, I, I, I truly think that's the best way to, to do it. Yeah, I definitely think I, I myself, like you, teenage rebellion years, wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, I've talked to other people about this and then you find it's what you know and it's in your blood a little and you get involved in it and you're really passionate about it but I was not ever pushed into it or pushed away from it. And it certainly would, you know, have that same approach as far as a next generation goes at our place. And you sort of have some hope of that maybe, 
because it'd be kind of a neat story, but a lot has to happen and fall into place. Uh, and then, I mean, what would, what's, what, um, what's been the most, I mean, is, you know, you look through your parents' eyes through yours, what's been the most fulfilling thing for you about this, this, what is a generational business? Um, I mean, it, it is a me, it is a meaningful, um, it, it is a meaningful legacy in many ways. And, and so seeing the joy in my parents' eyes is, is very rewarding. Um, but it's also knowing that making the choice to continue the family business for them, for that matter, has been a better financial decision um, than it would have been to, to, to sell, sell it. Sell at the time. Yeah, um, and uh, you don't know that, obviously, until <laughs> you have enough years behind you on it. Um, but we, I, I really think that we made the right decision. No, that, that's wonderful to hear. And I, I'm sure you, like me, you get bombarded with a lot of calls and emails from these places that are trying to buy, do things with businesses. And you sort of feel like you, you have to fight that off <laughs> because you've got something that you know has a future ahead of it or you believe, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's also kind of kept everyone closer together too. Good. In, in that regard. Uh, but we have one big major rule and that is uh, we do Sunday dinner as a family every single okay. day religiously, but we are not to talk at business at Sunday dinner. That's awesome. I mean, I've asked a lot of people, are you able to get together, have a big dinner and it becomes a board meeting. So you talk about other things. Yeah, very, very, especially when you have other people around the table who aren't in the business who would be rolling their eyes, right? Exactly. It's yeah. not fair to significant others. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great, I, I may, you know what, um, I have to talk some about that policy within the family, although we're not getting together with the same kind of dinners as, as usual. No, that, that's, that's really smart. I mean, I, you know, part of the reason I started doing this podcast and capturing these stories was the contrary being, say, Succession as a program on HBO, which is, you know, high drama, disaster of family business. Everybody's out to get each other, you know. Uh, but that's not the reality in most of them. And so, as you say, people getting along and being even closer is the stories that I want to make sure are told or get a little bit of light. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that. Uh, I'm familiar with that show, Succession. I could not imagine my family members talking to each other the way that they talk to each other. Right. Yeah. It's, I, so. I mean, just the language. I mean, it makes me laugh. It's so funny. I mean, yeah, it's a bit over the top. <laughs> it was, or it's based on some real, or it's escapism, or it makes you yeah. go, okay, where I work is quite tamer. Uh, anything I forgot to ask you or touch on as it relates to Plantera's sort of past? future and even kind of in, in present state? Well, I mean, the, the one thing that also is part of our identity is, is our geography uh, being, um, you know, from the Detroit area. Okay. Um, and um, what I didn't say was, is that my dad learned, you know, auto, uh, you know, he was a draftsman for the auto business before he worked for a retail plant store. And um, there is a lot of what I would call Detroit elements um, to our company that are real positive. Okay. Um, and we also have worked really hard 
um, to keep the negatives of you know Detroit out of our business too. So what are those positive what are those positive Detroit elements that are kind of infused in Plantera and you all? So I, right. So I I would say that um, Detroit has an incredible work ethic. Okay. Right. And yep. I think that's Hard a work. Western quality. Roll up your okay. sleeves, go to work. Yep. That's right. And and we're very practical. Um, and, and we want to take on challenges. Um, so we're always learning as a company. We're taking on new challenges together. Um, and there's a, there's also a design sensibility that mm-hmm. is part of the geographic tradition around here. You know, close by, there's Cranbrook, where, you know, where there was, you know, Ames and Knoll. Um, but, you know, in addition to the cars. So it's just not about the cars. Um, but on, on, on the negative you know, side that we've worked hard to keep out is um, what I would call the baggage of the big business um, in terms of, you know, people saying, you know, well, that's not my job. Yeah, uh, so not my we, station. You know, yeah. And we constantly have to work at it because new people bring that baggage to us. <laughs> you mean they want that job very tightly defined. That's what I do. And you're going, I want that entrepreneurial fire where people figure other things out, get involved in other things. Well, we have to be fair to people and have find jobs, um, but there's certain there's there's an attitude about um, you know being for the business where everybody's working together for the same goal, uh, where there's this imaginary us versus them scenario. I see worker versus management, which there's a lot of baggage in this region on, and and so that's one of the cultural aspects that we're really um, that we always are working towards. Is is to make sure that we are all part of the page to move forward together. That's yeah. great. I know we work on that a lot. When you hear people talking about at your own company, they this and they that, and you go, "Who's they?" Like, right. you're, you're, it's us. It's we. You're you're part of it. It's like some secret cabal making decisions somewhere else. Like you have power over these things. Yeah. Yeah, but I I, I, I do think that's part of the regional culture. Um, you know, the, of, of the, the baggage of, of the, you know, the management versus the worker um, that, okay. that we yeah, hadn't thought about to it. keep on going on. Yeah. Yeah. And some, because the assembly line was so prominent here, it was, you sort mm-hmm. of did your thing and it moved on to somebody else and you figure a little bit more fulfilling a defined thing without flex. And that certainly doesn't work in our business or yours, I guess. Well, so this is a cool way to reconnect with you and, and capture sure and is. share some stories. I mean, you, you know, there, there are lots of different kinds of businesses, but, you know, when you start talking about being in event space and all that with weddings, that's one, there's not that many to do that. But when you start talking about plantscapes and design and what you do, yes, it's a lot narrower field. Um, and, and so not as many people are going to know about it, but I've been fascinated by it since I first met you or as a customer or whatever. I, I do have to ask you one last thing, even though we said we're going to sort of be broader than just, you know, the 2020 COVID related stuff. What is your take or vision on, you know, what happens down the road as far as offices, office spaces, people working in that kind of environment, since you are so involved in being a part of the environmental space and feel with what you do? I, I see a, um, a, a, an element of um, hospitality merging um, with office space, okay. uh, kind of like what you see of co-working spaces, okay? Um, you know, people talk about we, we work and they get distracted um, about, 
um, kind of like the glitz around it. Okay. Um, but really what they've done is, is they've done, they've done a better job of managing um, office space. Um, and there's a lot that all office type spaces or workspaces can learn from. And it's hospitality, it really is. It's having certain amenities um, to keep workers happy um, and having spaces that keep people happy. It's, a, it's when, when the space becomes the product, um, you, they focus on how to improve it. So there's a lot to learn from it. Um, and, and so I, I, I really do think that workplaces are gonna get a lot better as a result. No, that's wonderful. Very different take than a lot of the stuff that's being read and, 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 and uh, sort of uh, talking heads, if you will, talking about offices of the future. I, well, yeah. I mean, I, I think the work from home um, element, it has less to do with the, 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 the actual buildings and more to do with the culture. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that'll continue. That's always existed, but some people might be able to do that some and be in whatever their office is, but carrying that culture through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, you know, having worked so much in the business of sports for years, it was certainly an industry that adapted and brought in a lot of components of hospitality to it. You know, you go to, when you went to a sporting event, you left the arena, you left the stadium, there were people there to say good night, goodbye, thank you, greet you at the door. Not always, not many, many years ago. But once that started to become sort of you're a guest versus just some, you know, taking advantage of fan, it changes the whole way things are thought about. Yeah. And it's it's about making it so um, you know, people are people, you know, they're not machines. Mm-hmm. I mean this idea of having a big, you know, floor of cubicles uh where it, it looks like it's orderly for the purpose of it being orderly, but it isn't really friendly to being a human being. Sure. Um, that that is the element that's really changing. And you know, and it wasn't because of COVID, you know, that people weren't going to those cubicles. Okay. I mean, I'll go to client buildings. And very rarely would I see every single cubicle occupied. Usually right. about less than 50% will be occupied at one given time. So uh, if you really think about it, it's like, well, why would they want to allocate so much space to places that people don't want to be? Yeah. And then we have all these other spaces that people can work and gather uh, and communicate and connect. And we'll get back to some of that. No, it's like to be thinking about that as we re-enter or whatever the return whatever reword we pick for that well shane i thank you for being part of this podcast and for sharing your story and uh we'll you know hope that uh you know some some people learn from it that are in various phases of their entrepreneurial journey so thanks again real pleasure thank you for having me generation excellence is hosted by me jamie michelson with help from smzers sam daly Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld. Thanks also to Randy and his team at Stage 3 Audio. Thank you for listening, and please give some of the other episodes a try. One more thing, if you have comments or a suggested future guest, please don't be afraid to contact me.